0: Good afternoon, Church. Today's scripture reading is taken from Deuteronomy chapter eleven, verse twenty-six to thirty. Chapter Deuteronomy chapter eleven, verse twenty-six to thirty. See, I am setting before you today a blessing and a curse. The blessing, if you obey the commands of the Lord your God, that I am giving you today. The curse, if you disobey the commands of the Lord your God and turn from the way that I command you today by following other gods which you have not known. When the Lord your God has brought you into the land you are entering to possess, you are to proclaim on Mount Gerizim the blessings and on Mount Eba the curses. As you know, these mountains are across the Jordan, westward, Toward the setting sun near the great trees of More, in the territory of those Kenyanites living in the Arabah in the vicinity of Gilgal. This is the word of God.
1: Let us pray. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Father, we give you thanks for your presence here today. We ask, Lord, that you just calm our hearts to welcome you. And Father, we ask that you speak to us through your holy word. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Good afternoon to all of you. It's my joy to be with you today, to celebrate with you Teacher's Day. I salute you, teachers, all those of you who stood up just now. You have a very noble profession, and you're doing a great job for the nation and also for God, I'm sure. As I look back in the time when I was a student in school, I realize that children today have a lot more knowledge than what we had in our time. For one thing, children today, you have the internet. If you don't know anything, just ask Google, and Google knows everything. So definitely, children today have a lot more knowledge. But how about wisdom? Sadly, not a lot more wisdom. And if we talk about a good education, people need both. They need knowledge and they also need wisdom. Knowledge is to gain a lot of facts about many things, but wisdom is when you can tell right from wrong, good from evil. And so to help students, in fact to help all of us, God has provided human teachers and also a heavenly teacher. So first let me talk about the human teachers. What is the role of a human teacher? If we take today's scripture reading from Deuteronomy 11, I could say that the role of a teacher is to be like a tree. Like a tree. Why, why so? Well, in Deuteronomy 11, Moses is speaking. Uh, no, I think we jumped a few slides already. <laughs> Thank you, Yes. Moses is speaking. So, if you've ever seen the film, The uh, Ten Commandments, starring Charlton Heston, have you, any of you? Yeah, Oh good, Carl has. (laughs) Thank you, Carl. (laughs) If you've seen this movie, you will know the storyline that actually the Israelites, they were slaves in Egypt and God brought them out through the 10 plagues and uh, now they're about to enter the Promised Land. And so here, Moses is speaking to the people, the Israelites, and he's telling them what they must do when they enter the Promised Land. And so he says when they conquer the Promised Land, which is Israel, they are to look for two mountains. And these two mountains are separated by a valley. One mountain, uh, can we see the slide, thank you. One mountain is Mount Ebal. that's actually in the north. And then in the south, there's the other one, which is Mount Gerizim. When the tribes of Israel, 12 tribes, conquer the Promised Land, then six tribes are to go onto to Mount Gerizim and pronounce blessings on the people. The other six tribes, they are to go to Mount Ebal and they're to announce all the curses for people. If you had to choose blessings or curses, Which would you choose? For me, I definitely want blessings. I definitely want good health. I want, well, I won't say a lot of money, but a little bit of money would be nice. I want, yes, I want health, I want money, and I want general success in what I do. Those are blessings. I want a good family. I don't want curses. You know curses are when you have sickness, You have disaster, natural disasters. You have failure in all that you do. Those are curses. Nobody wants curses. But the thing is, we always say, oh, if only God would bless me. I don't want curses. But here in Deuteronomy 11, we see that whether we receive God's blessings or God's curses, it really depends on us. That we have to choose. And so, if we obey God's commandments, we get blessings. If we disobey, we get curses. So maybe, as you're listening, you are wondering, what does all this have to do with teachers? So I'm coming to that. Two mountains, Mount Gerizim, Mount Ebal. In the middle, a valley. And in that valley, there's a tree. And this tree is called the tree of Moray. Deuteronomy 11, verse 30. It says uh, here, all right, I've highlighted two parts. One is that Moses is giving firstly the, the location of the two mountains. He says it's towards the going down of the sun in the land of the Canaanites. We look at the parts highlighted in yellow first. Toward the going down of the sun. We know that the sun rises in the east and sets in the west. So if Moses says these mountains that you are going to uh, towards the setting of the sun, then obviously they're in the west. They're in the west of what? They're in the west of where Moses and the Israelites were in Deuteronomy 11. And where were they? The Bible says that they were actually in the land which is known today as present-day Jordan. It's a country today. It's, It's east of the Jordan River. So, Moses said, these two mountains are in the place west, west of the Jordan River. Do you know which country that is? Present day, it's called Israel. But if you look at Deuteronomy 11, it says, in the land of the Canaanites, because at the time of Deuteronomy 11, it was not yet Israel. It wasn't yet conquered. It was still the land of the Canaanites. And now... Notice, please, the tree, the special tree. The next slide, please. Beside the oak of Moreh, this is the special tree that we're talking about. This word Moreh is Hebrew. The next slide is a Hebrew word, and it means teacher, teacher. Can you picture that? Two mountains, a mountain of blessing, a mountain of cursing, and in the middle, a tree And the tree is called, or is called an oak, but is the oak meaning more, meaning teacher. The teacher is between the two mountains. This is the job of a teacher to show people the difference between blessings and cursings, the difference between what is good and right, and what, what is bad, what is evil. Perhaps you are thinking, but no, no. I am a science teacher, I'm a maths teacher, I don't teach people what is good and what is evil. Well, I would say, perhaps not formally, you don't teach ethics, but informally, you can teach people these values. So, for myself, I was in primary school and secondary school in a place called Marymount Convent. Uh, Marymount Convent is still standing today, and when I was a student there, I remember, in primary school, we weren't allowed to use pens. We were just small children. We had to use pencils to write. And uh, if you've ever used pencils, you know they need sharpening because they get blunt very easily. So there was one day between the school periods, I went to the front of the class and I went next to the teacher's desk because that's where the waste paper basket was. And you know when you sharpen your pencils, you need a waste paper basket. So I went to the front of the class. It so happened that the teacher was having a private conversation with one of the pupils. I think it's about some very bad thing that the pupil did and the teacher was scolding the pupil. I don't know, I was just standing there sharpening my pencils. Suddenly, the teacher turned to me and scolded me. What are you doing here? You're very rude. You're listening to a secret conversation. You are eavesdropping. And I said, no, no, teacher, no. I'm sharpening my pencil. I'm just sharpening my pencil. Our Teacher refused to believe me. She said, no, you are trying to listen to a secret conversation. You are very rude. So I couldn't argue with this teacher, so I just went back to my seat. My pencil's still blunt. It's okay. I learned an important lesson, and that is people need privacy. When it seems that they're having a very close, private conversation, I cannot go near to sharpen my pencils or to do anything else. I must give them space and I must stay far away. That's one lesson I learned from a teacher. She taught me the difference between good and bad in an informal way. There was another occasion. This time, I was very much older. By now, I was in St. Andrew's school for my pre-U, they called it pre-U in those days. I was 17 years old, and you would think that as a 17 year old, surely I would know the difference between good and bad, right? I didn't, I didn't know the difference. So there was one day, the whole class had a discussion. No teacher in class that day, it was a free period. So what were we discussing as students? We were discussing one particular teacher. The whole class couldn't stand this teacher. The whole class simply disliked this teacher very, very much. And so one naughty boy came up with an idea. He said, I'm going to do something to this teacher, you know. I got itchy powder. I'm going to pour the itchy powder down the back of the teacher's shirt. And all of you in class, you don't tell the teacher anything. You create a diversion so the teacher won't know what's going on. Is it a good idea? It's horrible, right? It's cruel. It's evil. Oh, but we loved it In those days, we had no morals no sense of what is good and what is bad So we all thought this boy is brilliant. We will support him So then we waited and this male teacher whom we all hated he came into class. He started his lesson I don't remember exactly what we did, but I know the whole class created a big distraction. So the teacher was like, what is going on? This naughty boy went behind the teacher. He pulled open the teacher's shirt like that, and he poured down the itchy powder all into the teacher's back. And uh, we were all staring, and we didn't dare smile. You know, we didn't dare laugh. We just kept a straight face. So waiting, you know, waiting, waiting. What's gonna happen? At first, nothing happened. But later, the teacher scratches back and scratch some more, scratched more and move and move and move, scratches back and move some more. And by that time, all of us couldn't stop laughing. We just, the whole class, burst out into laughter. The teacher, horror of horrors, he knew that we were guilty. He knew we had done something to him and he scolded us big time. Did I learn anything from this? Definitely. To us, it was just a big joke. It was good fun to play a prank on someone we didn't like. But we didn't know that it caused the teacher serious harm. I mean, he had, he had terrible skin condition and there he was in agony because of all the itchy powder. So, from these two teachers, I learned what is good, what is bad. The teacher like a moray, standing in the middle of the two mountains. Apart from human teachers, God has also given to us a heavenly teacher. This heavenly teacher is Jesus. And he said in John 13, 13, he said, you call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. You are right, said Jesus. I am a teacher. But when we refer to Jesus, we don't call him Moray, but we call him rabbi. What's the difference? Moray is teacher in general, but a rabbi is a religious teacher or a spiritual teacher. In New Testament times, there were lots of rabbis in Israel, and the way that they taught is so different from the education that we are used to. So, a rabbi in Israel, he would teach in a very personal way. He had disciples following him, not, not, perhaps not a big class of 40 students, but Jesus had 12, and they followed him everywhere he went. So they would eat together, they would sleep together, they would walk, and as they walked, Jesus would teach them. He would say, do you see that fig tree? And he would teach them a lesson on faith. And then he would teach them, do you see the birds over there? You are worth more than many sparrows. And he would teach them many lessons. They didn't have a small classroom. The whole world was their classroom. And that's how Jesus, the heavenly teacher, taught them. When Jesus healed the sick, his disciples saw how he would lay hands, how he would command the demons to flee, and how he would speak healing. They learned because he taught them through very practical ways. The best thing, the best thing about our heavenly teacher is he not only teaches, but he actually gives us the power to change our lives. And so to tell you about the power of the heavenly teacher in my life, I have to tell you something about myself. This is a family photo taken a long time ago. My parents, my elder sister, and myself, so my parents were Christians, and I grew up in a Christian environment. They sent me to a, well, a Roman Catholic school, Marymount, and it seemed to me that all my friends were Christians, all the teachers were Christians. I grew up thinking the whole world is Christian. That's how small my world was. I had a very big shock when I reached sec one, because in sec one, there was a debate in school this is the topic. The topic is that science leads to atheism. That science leads to atheism. So, two sides in a debate. One side said, if you believe in science, you cannot believe that God is real. You cannot believe the Bible because science proves that the Bible is rubbish. The other side tried their best to defend the Bible, saying every good thing about the Bible. I wasn't actually taking part in that debate. I was just listening, and I was totally shocked. Unfortunately, the side that said the Bible is rubbish, that side won the debate, because the girls were very clever, and they debated very well. They said, the Bible says that Jonah was eaten by a whale. They said, don't you know, science will tell you, whales do not eat people. Therefore, the Bible is rubbish. And then they said, you know Mary? The Bible says that Mary gave birth when she was a virgin. And then they, was, they said things like, science tells us that virgins cannot give birth. <laughs> Therefore, <laughs> the Bible is rubbish. And the other side of trying so hard to defend the Bible, they had no good arguments. They lost the debate. So as a 13-year-old listening to this, as I said, I was only listening. It was the Sec fours who were debating. I, as a sect one, I was just listening. My world fell apart because I grew up thinking the whole world is Christian. Now suddenly, I hear that people say the Bible is rubbish and that team won the debate. And I was so shaken. I asked my friends, is it true the Bible is rubbish? Is it true? Is it true that virgins can't give birth? <laughs> is it true? that whales don't eat people. And I asked my friends. But you know, they were in sect one, same as me. And nobody knew the answers. So in time to come, my doubts grew and grew. And that's when I stopped becoming a Christian and I became instead an agnostic. An agnostic is someone who doesn't know whether you can prove, it, prove that God exists or not. He simply doesn't know. So I became an agnostic. As time went on, my doubts grew even more. And finally, I became an atheist. So the atheist is the one who says that there is no God. There is absolutely no God. All this happened when I was 13. But when I was 21 years old, something changed. By then, I was in the university, in the old Bukit Timah campus, uh, the university. So I was there. And it came a time where... I had some serious problems in my life. They were of very personal nature. I couldn't confide in my parents. I couldn't confide in my sister. I couldn't even talk to my friends. I was trapped in these great problems. And I knew that only God can solve my problems. But there's a problem, right? Because God doesn't exist, there is no God. So what am I going to do? In the university, I was studying philosophy by a philosopher, his name is Soren Kierkegaard. And Soren Kierkegaard talked about the fact that if you really want to find God, you cannot use science. He says that science talks about what you can see, what you can taste, what you can feel, what you can smell, right? What you can observe with your eyes and with all your senses. He said, but God is not like that. And you cannot find God through science. So he said, if you really want to know if God is real, you must take what he calls the leap of faith. And the leap of faith means first you believe that God is real. Then you will find proof that he exists. So there I was with my problems. I didn't know what to do. I said I will try this philosophy by Soren Kierkegaard. So I was alone at home and I prayed, if you can call it a prayer. It was actually more a demand I said, God, are you real? If you are real, you prove it to me now. I want to know if you are real. And guess what? Nothing happened. No sight, no sound, nothing happened. The next day, I still had my problems. My next day, I was a little bit more humble. So the next day, I prayed again. God, if you are real, can you please prove to me if you are real? Because I really want to know. And when I prayed that, I was alone in my bedroom. I had closed the bedroom door, closed all the curtains. I was just talking to God. And after I said, can you please prove to me if you are real? I felt a presence in the room with me. I felt that there was someone there. Couldn't see anyone, but I knew that was when Jesus entered my life. So that was when I became born again. I put my faith in this heavenly teacher. And as I studied the Bible more and more, I found answers to this horrible debate when I was 13 years old. Do you remember what what the debaters said about Jonah? What they said about Jonah? They said, whales don't eat people. Science tells you whales do not eat people. Therefore, the Bible is rubbish. So, after studying the Bible, I found out something very interesting. The Bible never says a whale ate Jonah. Do you know what the Bible says? It says that Jonah was swallowed by a great fish. Well, great fish. Great fish is not the same as whale. (laughs) So, scientists today, they will tell you there are some sharks. Sharks, not even whales. Sharks, they are so big that they can swallow people. And so science proves, well, the Bible is correct. It is correct. Then the other thing that the debaters talked about, Mary. They said that virgins cannot give birth. Do you know, I won't tell you how old I am, but suffice to say, I'm very old. I've lived so long. I've seen God do so many things which science said was impossible the things that god does they're called miracles and if god can do miracles then for a virgin to give birth is no issue it's very easy for god so the heavenly teacher he gives us the power to really live and change our life to live according to our convictions i'll tell you just uh One more story and then I better stop already. After I graduated from university, I went to work in the Straits Times. I was a journalist. One day, a fellow journalist came up to me and she said, June, what do you think of such and such? It was a current issue in Singapore. And so I told her all my views, I told her everything. She listened. A few minutes later, the editor called for a meeting and he said, what do you two think of such and such? an issue, exactly the same as what she had asked me. So before I could answer the editor, this colleague spoke, and she said everything that I had told her. Only thing is, she never said it came from me. She said it was her ideas. Wow, she told the editor everything that I said, pretending it was her ideas. And the editor congratulated her. Wow, good, good. Then he looked at me, and what do you have to say? I had no more to say because she stole all my words already. And I never told the editor that she stole my ideas. And I never did anything against her. Was I angry? Very angry. (laughs) Did I want revenge? Yes, I wanted revenge. But I didn't take revenge because the heavenly teacher, Jesus, he has given me the faith to live by the Bible. And the Bible says, don't take revenge because God will act on your behalf and God will take care of you. And so God has taken care of me all these years. My prayer for all of you teachers is that you would have the joy of being the best human teachers, the best trees, the best moray, the best leading the students leading your pupils into the way of righteousness. You don't have to teach them formally, but through the informal things that you do as the occasion arises, you will teach them the difference between good and evil, the difference between right and wrong. And my prayer for everyone here, not just teachers, but non-teachers also, is that we would all have this personal relationship with our heavenly teacher. Jesus. Amen. Let's pray. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Father, I thank you, Lord, that you give us the chance to choose between blessing and cursing. And Father, in so much as all of us want blessing, I pray, Lord, that you give to all of us the wisdom and the strength to choose what is right, to obey your Bible, to obey your holy word, and never to disobey you. Lord, I pray that faith will arise in the hearts of all of us today, that we would draw closer to you and love you with all our hearts. Thank you, Lord. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.